In this video, we are going to take a look at the Fujifilm X-T3, which I've been using for a little over a month now. Fujifilm were nice enough to send that over and loan it to me for review for you guys. And it's like they took the X-T2 and all the wonderful things about it and just made it 10 times better. And I'm really impressed with this camera. So I want to dig down into that and share what I really love about it with you guys. Real quick, I wanna give a shout out to our sponsor today, who are the awesome folks over at squarespace.com. If you need a website, Squarespace have you covered. Squarespace is an all-in-one solution for building beautiful websites, portfolios, or even an online store. Head over to their website, you start with a template. Everything is completely customizable. It has a drag and drop interface and building websites could not be easier. So head over to squarespace.com, do the free trial. And if you think this is right for you, I can save you an additional 10% off your subscription if you use offer code AOP on checkout. Once again, that offer code is AOP. And I wanna give a special shout out and thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring another episode of The Art of Photography. So the X-T3 is a really interesting upgrade in the Fuji ecosystem. It is the successor to the popular X-T2, which I did a video on probably about a year ago. And the X-T2 was an incredible camera. It did have a few shortcomings that mainly had to deal with the way that power was distributed within the camera. So for instance, if you're using the body only without the optional grip, you're using one battery. And there were some limitations, mainly the burst rate uh, when you're doing high-speed continuous shooting, and then also video length. And I think there were a couple other things I think they had to do with like blackout speed and things like that. So when you use the grip, you were using three batteries and enabled a boost mode. So you were able to get a little more performance out of that camera and it really, you kind of needed the grip to get the most out of the X-T2. And so what's interesting is Fuji seemed to have taken the X-T2 and now we have a brand new sensor, the Fujifilm X-Trans CMOS 4, as well as a new processor, which really beefed the camera up and a lot of rewriting in the algorithms and the firmware. And it is an amazing camera and it's opened up an enormous amount of possibilities of what you're able to do just without the grip. You can use one single battery and get a lot out of this camera. And I want to go through some of these points. One of the cool things that we have now with this camera is edge-to-edge -edge phase detection autofocus points that cover the entire frame. So autofocus is much improved. We have face detection and eye detection and it works absolutely fabulously. Now there is a trade-off with this and if you look online at some of the reviews you've seen some negative aspects about low light performance and I have a couple things to say about this. First of all most of those testing scenarios at the top ISO I mean, that's really not a practical situation that you're going to be shooting in. And it's it's a really actually a fair trade-off because with the new sensor and the new processor, the base ISO of the camera is now 160 instead of 200. So obviously you're shooting near the base ISO and you have enough light to work with. You're actually getting better dynamic range than you got before. But that is the trade-off is I guess if you're going to go shoot in a cave and pitch black darkness and use the top ISO on the camera, it may be a little bit noisier. But the trade-off is the face detection autofocus points and as well as the dynamic range. But I think the X-T3 is an enormous upgrade in terms of image quality. Now to get this out of the way, you probably know that this camera still doesn't have a flip screen and it still does not have in-body image stabilization. So it'll be interesting to see whether that's an evolution that we see onto the X-T4 when that comes out eventually, or even the X-H2 if that comes out this year or next year. And I really don't think those are that limiting. I think that the goal of the X-T3 was to use the same body as the X-T2. and What's also interesting is the price point is actually lower on this camera than the X-T2 was when it came out. So really for me, the X-T3 efficiency is the name of the game here, and Fuji have done a great job with that. Video has also gotten a major upgrade. Now, video with Fujifilm cameras, if you like the film simulations and you don't want a color grade, they've worked okay. There really wasn't enough data in the file to do any kind of color grading with, so it was kind of what you see is what you get, even with log profiles. And now with the X-T3, we 
have internal recording at 10-bit 420, and if you use an external recorder like the Atomos Ninja 5, you can get 422. And so there is an enormous amount of flexibility that you can get with that. If you don't want to shoot with the film simulations and you want to do your own grading, you can shoot an F-Log. Another interesting thing is the Eterna profile is available on Fujifilm's website for download, and I'll show you some clips for that in a second. But uh, it's really pretty impressive, and you have more control over your contrast. The whole point of shooting in a log file is to take advantage of high contrast situations. So, for instance, if you're shooting at sunset and you've got really long dark shadows and bright highlights, you can retain some of that shadow detail, and you can consider that when you're doing your final grade, and you get a really much better picture in the end that's not over-contrasted. And now, the with the X-T3, we have a legitimate video camera from Fuji that really starts getting into Panasonic GH5 territory in some ways. For still shooting, the big new feature in the X-T3 is burst rate shooting, and it is fast. You can get up to 30 frames a second raw files off this camera. It is really impressive. And this is one of the things about mirrorless technology that we're starting to see come to fruition. And it's really interesting to see how Fuji have handled this in the X-T3. Now, with a mirrorless camera, you're getting a full sensor readout of data in real time. And so what this does is it opens up a lot of possibilities in terms of how fast you can autofocus and how fast you can capture images. Now with a DSLR, you have a design flaw in that at the moment of capture, the mirror has to flip up and you get a brief moment of blackout. Now as a photographer, you can learn how to work around this, but it does put a pretty serious cap on how fast the camera can shoot in burst mode. And so with a DSLR, you're lucky to get 11 frames a second, maybe 14 on some cameras if it's really pushing it, but that's about it and the Fujifilm X-T3 now will deliver 30 frames a second if you're using electronic shutter and it's really impressive how they've done this. Now first of all you are using the electronic shutter at this point. One of the downfalls of a CMOS sensor is that it scans line by line and so while your shutter speed may be 1 120th of a second it's actually taking a little bit longer for it to scan. Now the way Sony handled this was to build an integral memory layer onto the sensor and we call that a stacked CMOS sensor and you see that in the A9. The A9 is an incredible camera and it also costs uh, over three times as much as the X-T3. And the way that Fuji have worked around this is one, we have the new processor that's handling it. And then two, there's also a slight crop that is applied when you're shooting that fast at 30 frames a second. And it's a 1.25, I believe. And I actually think that this is a good solution because when you think of like, you're probably shooting sports or action that's moving pretty fast. And so I think in most situations, the crop probably works to your advantage. It's a really interesting interesting way that Fuji have created a workaround for this. And this is an incredible camera, and considering it's like a $1,500 camera, that's something you're not going to find anywhere else. And this is one of the exciting things about mirrorless moving forward that I think we're going to be able to see. Now, I don't think the autofocus is quite on par with what Sony delivers, but I will say this. If you are really interested in this feature and it is really important to you to get a high burst rate, you're going to be happy with it, but you need to use the most modern Fuji lenses you can find. They've redesigned their autofocus system on like the Red Label XF Zoom lenses, for instance and you're going to get a lot better performance out of those than some of the older primes, which were just not built the same way. The system's going to catch up as this all evolves, and it's really exciting to see Fujifilm right here moving forward because I think they've got a really interesting, affordable solution to burst rate shooting. Now, as I mentioned earlier, video got a tremendous upgrade as well, and I went and shot some test clips, and these are all done at 60p. I used the Atomos Ninja 5 for these, and so I was using the HDMI 
my output. And so we're getting 422 video at 10 bit. And the image quality is incredible. Autofocus works extremely well in video as well. As you can see, I did some shots where I kind of stepped in and out of frame. And the video is just absolutely fabulous on this camera. And as I mentioned earlier, Fuji is a camera that I really didn't shoot a lot of video with before. And mainly because I found that while I like the film simulations, you're kind of locked into a certain contrast. And if you didn't want that look or if you're trying to match it to another camera, it became problematic. But now that we have not only F-Log, well, F-Log existed on the X-T2, but more importantly, we have 10-bit 422 or even 420 internal. There's a lot that we can do with this image that opens up an enormous amount of creative possibilities in terms of grading if that's what you want to do. It also covers you in more lighting situations. And I found this very versatile. These were all graded with the Eterna film profile. And you may be saying, well, Ted, if you're just going to download the Eterna profile and apply that to your footage, why would you use it? Well, if you're going to use a LUT, and you're going to use that in post-production, it opens up more possibilities in terms of how you control that contrast behind that. Now you can do some of those in camera, but this puts it into post-production where you get a more finite amount of control over your final workflow. And I think the image quality on this is absolutely outstanding. And Fuji clearly uh, came out of the gate with guns blazing on this because this puts this camera into the territory of what you're going to find with Panasonic, even some of the Sony cameras. It's a legitimate video camera right now. And what I really like about about Fujifilm is, I mentioned the film simulations earlier too, and I think these provide a lot of possibilities, especially when you can shoot at 10-bit. There is some argument as to whether or not you can visually see the difference between 8-bit and 10-bit, and if you're just comparing two pictures and saying one's 8, one's 10, you tell me which is which, you're probably not going to see a difference. Where you are going to see a difference is when you need to pull more detail out of shadow areas, or maybe your highlights are a little bit blown, you need to bring them back. You have much more leeway with a camera that's shooting at 10-bit than you do with eight and there's a lot of versatility that can come with this and the other thing that I love is with the film simulations and the ability to pull more detail out of them you end up with a camera that you're able to use that gets a really good picture without having to do a lot of grading so if color grading isn't your thing or maybe you're working with YouTube where you have to generate a lot of videos in a short amount of time this is really an excellent camera to consider and I've been really happy with the picture quality that I'm seeing on the X-T3. The X-T3 is an impressive camera and I think between the new sensor and the new processor and all the new functionality that you get out of it, it makes upgrading to this camera from the X-T2 pretty much a no-brainer. So if you're already in the Fujifilm system, you own those lenses, this is the way to go. It is an incredible camera. Is it perfect? Well, there's a few things that are still missing that I think Fujifilm are going to have to address either in the X-T4 when we get to that or maybe in the X-H2. Now the X-H1 has in-body image stabilization and that is probably the biggest thing that's missing from the X-T3. And the only times I've found this to be a deal is if I'm doing still shooting and I'm in really low light and maybe I don't want to be wide open on the lens and you really have to have steady hands if you're using slower shutter speeds just because there is is no stabilization. Now, many of the Fujifilm lenses have optical image stabilization, which works just fine, but some of the key lenses don't, like the 16 to 55 millimeter, the uh, Red Label XF is one of them that comes to mind. It's an excellent lens, but if you don't have in-body image stabilization, it makes it really difficult in low light at slow shutter speeds. Now, for video, it's not as big a deal because I tend to lock things off on tripods or at least use some kind of gimbal or stabilization, but the fact that there is no in-body image stabilization, that's probably the weakest link on this camera. And so if that's really important to you, that's why you would probably want to consider the X-H1 instead. There's a couple other things too. I think having a flip screen 
And I don't know, it's, it's funny, there's so many cameras that are made now that that's kind of one of the missing features on and that Fuji have addressed this at least a little bit. You get an articulating screen and you can kind of flip it out to the other side, which doesn't really do you much good. But if you're doing video, particularly when you consider like, I do a lot of video and I'm filming myself for YouTube and I use not only the flip screen for the ability to frame up my shot and compose, but it also gives me all the information that I need in terms of how much battery level is left, what my aperture set at, where my shutter speed is, where's my ISO, and it's really difficult to use if you don't use an external monitor. Having said that though, adding an external monitor slash recorder to the Fujifilm X-T3 makes this a very powerful video setup for an interview or a studio type situation. A little bit cumbersome to vlog on, although I don't know, I shot all these images out in the field and I was using the external monitor with this and it was handling all the recording, and it's probably worth it just to get a little bit better video quality with that 422, but adding a flip screen would just make this so much more functional. Anyway, one one last thing that I want to mention on this that, and let me preface this by saying that Fujifilm has done an amazing job, just an absolutely outstanding job with power management in the X-T3. The fact that you don't necessarily need the grip anymore makes this more versatile, you can travel lighter, so on and so forth. And when you consider, and this is a common problem with mirrorless cameras, not just for Fujifilm, Sony went through it with their W battery as well. But when you consider the power that this camera is actually drawing because you have that constant data readout in real time from the sensor, you go through batteries a lot faster and you need something that's going to be able to power that camera. So because of that, I actually would recommend you do get the grip if you're going to be extended shooting, using sports with burst rate, or if you're using a lot of 4K video, the autofocus is on, these things will all draw on the battery. And I think Fujifilm are just at the point right now where the new battery is going to be kind of needed. And I know why they do it this way. And it's really nice that, you know, you have multiple cameras that use the same batteries. So you have that uniformity across the system. But I think we're at a point right now where just power management is becoming an issue. So if you're not going to use the battery grip, I least recommend if you're going to get the X-T3 is get a couple extra batteries to carry around. It's really not a big deal to swap them in and out. Just would be nicer to get a little more life out of the battery that we've got. But considering its age, it does a great job. But anyway, that's really my only complaints about this camera and they're really minor. As I said before, I think that if you're, if you're already in the Fujifilm system, Upgrading to the X-T3 is a no-brainer. I think it's a good price point. I think that the features that you get out of it and the value you get for that price are really pretty amazing. If you're thinking about a Fujifilm camera, it's another reason to get into it because all of a sudden this opens the system up to things that you don't have in other camera systems. And again, Fujifilm are very reasonable, I think very fair with their pricing. So I would love to know what you guys think. Um, I'm looking forward to using this camera a little more. And uh, if you got any questions or things you want to see me, we can talk about them. So drop me a comment below. Until the next video, I'll see you guys then. Later.